Good morning. It is always such a privilege to gather around God's Word with you and look into it together. I look forward to Sunday mornings every week. Would you open your Bibles to Micah chapter 7? We're looking at verses 18 through 20. Micah's one of those books that just tends to disappear when you're looking for it. So feel free to use your table of contents. Or if you can find Matthew and go back a few pages, you'll run into Micah before too long. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. Listen to God's word for us today. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilt of the remnant, overlooking the sins of his special people? You will not stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing unfailing love. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. You you will show us your faithfulness and unfailing love as you promised to our ancestors Abraham and Jacob long ago. And over to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew 6. This is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is teaching about all different kinds of things that go into following God, being a follower of Jesus. And here he's teaching his friends about prayer. Matthew 6, 7 through 15. When you pray... Don't babble on and on as the people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Friends, this is God's word for us today. Thank you, God. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we need your Holy Spirit as our teacher and our guide in order to really hear your words. So we pause before you now and open our ears to the whisper of your spirit. Speak, Lord. For we are listening. Through Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. We all love a good remodel. There's whole networks on TV dedicated to taking a house that's kind of rough around the edges, kind of ugly out front, and by the end of the hour, it's completely beautiful, right? 
There's whole networks about this. We love that because every one of those stories has a happy ending, right? And who doesn't love a happy ending? We've been doing some good building here this month. We've built a good foundation of God's love for us. And we framed in some walls and got some uh, healthy boundaries going. We got some nice windows for good communication. And today we're doing a little renovation. Last week you may remember that our, uh, our house here didn't have any siding and now it's got this beautiful siding on it. We've been building great relationships here this fall. And uh, today we're getting to the final step of our building project. God has given us everything we need to build great relationships because God is the master of great relationships. And he's given us his word, which is an amazing resource for our lives. The scripture says God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. That is one of my favorite verses. I claim that all the time. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. I think that's just amazing. Well, sometimes a house, no matter how well built, needs some renovations. Maybe things have sort of deteriorated over time. Maybe the woodpeckers have gotten to the house and made holes, and it's time to replace that rotten old wood with some nice, strong, fresh wood. Or maybe it's time to expand. The family has grown, and a new addition needs to be put on. Or maybe it's time to make it more weatherproof. It needs a new roof so it won't leak anymore. In the same way, our relationships, no matter how strong, sometimes need some renovation, sometimes need some repair. Maybe a marriage has grown cold. Or an adult child needs to have that relationship expanded with them so that they can be related uh, as adults instead of adult to a child. Or maybe a friendship has been hit hard by the storms of life and needs to be strengthened and uh, repaired against the things that have worn it down. Renovation, how to repair a broken relationship. That's what we're looking at here today. Well, there's a lot of ways to work on renovation on a house. You can put on new siding, you can do paint or new appliances. And in the same way, there's a lot of things we could talk about in terms of repairing a broken relationship. That could go lots of different directions, but probably the most essential thing is the idea of forgiveness. That is really at the heart of a lot of the repairing of relationships that God enables us to do. So that's where we're going this morning. That's what we're looking at, is the idea of forgiveness. As we dive into this this morning, I just want to say thank you to the work of Rick Warren and Dave Pollack and Amy Trask that has helped me so much as uh, I've tried to deepen my understanding of this subject. And you know, with forgiveness, there's so much to say. I could probably talk all afternoon and you could come back tomorrow and I could talk all day tomorrow and every day the rest of the week and I would still have left out some important things having to do with forgiveness because there's just so much. So I just ask for your grace if I've left out something really important here. 
I know you don't want me to talk until 4 o'clock this afternoon. And, uh, and just know that there's wonderful things you can read, wonderful materials out there about forgiveness. And if you need some direction finding some of those, let me know. I'd be glad to send you in the right direction. Well, there's a Spanish story. I'm not sure quite if it's a legend or a true story, but a story of a father and his son who had become estranged. The son ran away, and the father set off to find him. He searched everywhere, high and low, and, and f- couldn't find him. Finally, in a last-ditch effort to find his son, he put an ad in the Madrid newspaper, and the ad said this, Dear Paco, meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up (laughs) looking for forgiveness and love from their fathers. Oh, we all need forgiveness, don't we? It's a place where we live. Desmond Tutu has said, without forgiveness, there is no future. And we all know that deep down inside, don't we? We know we need forgiveness. Without forgiveness, we'll be stuck in so many ways. But here's the good news. As Christians, we are especially equipped to be really good at forgiveness. Christianity, our faith, gives us the ability to be really good at forgiveness. The glory of Christianity is to conquer by forgiveness, said William Blake. Forgiveness is the essential message of the gospel. A Sunday school teacher had just concluded her lesson with her little class and wanted to make sure she'd really made her point. So she she asked her class, can anyone tell me what you must do before you can receive forgiveness? And there was a long silence, and finally a little boy put up his hand and said, you have to sin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, (laughs) you have to sin. Well, that should be easy for all of us, shouldn't it? We are all sinners. At the foot of the cross, there's not a dime's worth of difference between me and anyone else. We all stand in need of the grace of Jesus Christ And through what Jesus Christ has done, he offers us that forgiveness. We've been set free. Amen. That's the amazing grace, the amazing grace that we celebrate. Micah 7 that we read this morning tells us what God is like. Where is another God like you who pardons the sins of the remnant of his people You cannot stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing mercy. Once again, you will have compassion on us. And I love this part. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. My sins, your sins. He throws them into the ocean where nobody can ever find them again. Amazing grace. Amazing grace. John Stott, who is a wonderful theologian from Great Britain, writes this. Not long before she died in 1988, in a moment of surprising candor on television, Marganita Lasky, a well-known secular humanist and novelist, said, 
What I most envy about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. Wow, what a gift we have been given to know the forgiveness of God, all because of who God is. And because we've been forgiven so much, we can forgive others. In fact, Jesus taught that forgiving others and being forgiven go hand in hand. And sometimes that's where the progression falls apart a little bit for us. C.S. Lewis said that everyone thinks forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Then it gets a little harder. We love to be forgiven, but forgiving others, that can be harder. Matthew 6 here in Jesus' uh, teaching reminds us that receiving God's forgiveness and forgiving others go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. He says in Mark eleven twenty-five, 25, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. Forgiving and being forgiven go together. It's like there's one pipe labeled forgiveness that goes right into your heart. And it's through that pipe that God sends forgiveness to you. And it's through that pipe that you send forgiveness out to others. And if you crank that pipe shut by not letting any forgiveness go out, then forgiveness can't get in either. All for, and forgiveness is essential to repairing a broken relationship. So we're going to start really by looking at what is forgiveness? What are we really talking about today? There's an insert in your bulletin with blanks to fill in. If you're someone who likes to fill in blanks as we go, then I invite you to take that out and we'll tell you the words to fill in the blanks as we go. But let's get clear in our mind what we are talking about as we talk about forgiveness. So this is a definition that I like a lot. Forgiveness is the decision to give up my desire to take revenge and harbor bitterness toward an offender. Forgiveness is a decision to give up my desire for two things, to take revenge and to harbor bitterness toward an offender. Revenge, to take revenge. The idea of revenge is the idea that when someone hurts me, I want them to hurt back the same amount that they hurt me. I want to cause them pain the way they cause me pain, or at least I want to stand back and enjoy while circumstances cause that person pain. It, it sort of feels just, doesn't it? When someone hurts you, it feels like, well, that would be just for them to hurt back, right? We have this sense inside that that should happen. That's revenge. But you know what? The scriptures tell us we are not equipped to handle revenge. Revenge is like radioactive material. You can't just pick up radioactive material and carry it around, right? It'll kill you. You need special equipment and special training to carry that kind of thing around. And the scriptures tell us that revenge is the same way. As much as we may think we can handle it, we're not equipped to handle it. Only God is equipped to handle revenge. 
Romans 12.9 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. God is wise enough to understand how to handle justice and grace and to put that all together. We are not equipped to do that. Some of you have been deeply hurt or betrayed by someone who did things to you that should never have been done. How should that person be punished? How much grace should they be shown? How should those two be stitched together? We can't figure that kind of thing out, but God says, leave room. Leave room for me to take care of that. Leave the getting even to God because he will know how to do it just in the right way. So that's the first thing forgiveness is. It's giving up my desire to get back, to take revenge, to hurt the way that they hurt me. And the second thing that forgiveness is giving up is my desire to harbor bitterness toward the person who hurt me. You know, the emotions of anger and fear that come when we're hurt are not unforgiveness. They're they're not wrong in themselves, but when those emotions are replayed mentally, when they're, um, when they're nurtured and protected, they turn into bitterness. Forgiveness is deciding not to harbor bitterness. I love that word harbor. You know how a harbor works, right? On a big lake or the ocean, there's a, a piece of the land that comes out and kind of creates a safe place so boats can go in there and be safe. And no matter how stormy it gets out on the ocean, the boats are safe there. It's a safe place. Sometimes we take those negative emotions and we put them in that safe place, deep down inside them. They're like our cell phones that we plug in to charge every night. We make sure that they're protected and fed like little plants that we water. That's harboring bitterness. Those negative emotions grow a root of bitterness. Hebrews 12.15 says, Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It's a warning. It'll corrupt Not just you, it says, but many. Bitterness is dangerous. We don't want it. We don't want bitterness. It will kill you. And it will kill others around you. Once upon a time, there was a little boy sitting on a park bench. And you could tell by looking at his face, he was in pain. And uh, he was in agony. A man came by and said, what's the matter? And the little boy said, I'm sitting on a bumblebee. And it keeps stinging me. And the man said, well, why don't you get up off the bench? And the boy said, well, I figure I'm hurting him more than he's hurting me. (laughs) The pain isn't going to stop and the healing's not going to begin until he gets up off of that bench. The venom of unforgiveness will kill you. It's a bitter root that's poisonous. Louis B. Smedes wrote in his book, Forgive and Forget, when you release the wrongdoer from the wrong, you cut a malignant tumor out of your inner life. You set a prisoner free, and then you discover 
that the real prisoner was yourself. So let's be clear on what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the decision on my part, a decision to give up two things, to give up my desire to take revenge and to harbor bitterness toward an offender. So how do we do it? How do we forgive others? If you look on your insert, we have some steps for forgiving others. And the first one is this. Acknowledge your pain and anger. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge your pain and anger. Forgiveness starts with a hard, honest look at reality. It starts by telling yourself the truth. It starts by allowing yourself to feel the hurt. That's another one to fill in. To feel the hurt. You know, Scripture doesn't say never get angry. What does it say? Be angry and do not sin. Be angry and do not sin. Anger is an emotion. We can't really control our emotions. They come and go based on a lot of different things. But we can control what we do with our emotions. So... When we acknowledge our pain and anger, we don't just sweep the wrongdoing under the rug. We don't just say it never happened. We acknowledge how we feel. Because here's something that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. Forgiveness is not saying, oh, it doesn't matter. It wasn't that bad. Or I'll just swallow the pain. That's not forgiveness. You can still forgive someone and say, what you did was wrong. What you did really hurt me. You can still forgive them and not sweep it under the rug. You can say, you know, you really hurt me. Now I'm not going to try and get you back. I'm going to leave that to God. And I'm not going to spit fire every time someone mentions your name because that's bitterness. But I'm not going to say that it didn't happen or it wasn't a big deal. So forgiveness starts by acknowledging your pain and anger. Second thing is this. Acknowledge the consequences of wrongdoing. Acknowledge the consequences. You all know the scenario of Charlie Brown and Lucy and the football, right? She holds the football for him and she tells him this time it'll be different. And so he comes back and he runs and he gets ready to kick it. And just at that moment, she pulls it away. And he goes up in the air and lands flat on his back over and over again. Well, this one comic strip starts with Lucy holding the ball and saying, come on, Charlie Brown, come and kick the ball. And this time he refuses. He says, no way. You have done that to me too many times. I know you're going to pull it away right when I'm ready to kick. And she says, no, 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 really, this time I'll do it. And they go back and forth for a few frames. And then finally Lucy breaks down in, in tears and confesses, Charlie Brown, I've been so terrible over the years, pulling the football back like I have. I've played so many cruel tricks on you, but I've seen the error of my ways I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when I've deceived you. I've been wrong, so wrong. Won't you give a poor, penitent girl another chance? Well, Charlie Brown is compassionate, and he's moved by her display of sorrow. So he says, okay, of course, I'll give you another chance. And he steps back, and Lucy holds the ball, and he runs toward her. And just as he gets to the ball... She pulls it away. 
And he goes up in the air and lands flat on his back again. And in the final frame, Lucy says, you know, Charlie Brown, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes there's consequences to the wrongdoing. Because here's another thing forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not letting go of justice. Sometimes you hear people say, I can't forgive that person because then they would get off scot-free. And that's not fair. There are consequences, though, which sometimes can't be and shouldn't be removed when we forgive. Forgiveness is not letting go of justice. Suppose I sneak into your house tonight and, and sneak over to your house tonight and I spray paint your car with graffiti, with, with spray paint. You might forgive me for that, right? You might decide not to take revenge on me and come spray paint my car. And you might even let go of bitterness toward me. And, but there'd still be spray paint all over your car, wouldn't there? And it would still be the right thing for me to do to pay to have your car repainted. Sometimes there's consequences which can't or shouldn't be erased with forgiveness. That's what God did for Adam and Eve when they ate that forbidden fruit. He loved them. He forgave them. But he said, you can't live in the garden anymore. And the ground is going to be hard to farm and get food from. And the relationship between you and Adam, Eve, is, is going to be broken. There were consequences for their actions. Jesus taught his followers to forgive. He said not once, not twice, not seven times, but 70 times seven. You got to forgive, he said. Forgive. But he also gave us a, a process for what to do when another Christian brother or sister sins and how to put consequences into that. And, excuse me, in Matthew 18, sometimes there are consequences which can't be or shouldn't be removed when we forgive. So here's another thing that forgiveness doesn't mean. Forgiveness doesn't mean trusting someone. Forgiveness is a gift, but trust is earned. Sometimes you can forgive someone, but you have to give time for them to earn back the, your ability to trust them. So forgiveness involves acknowledging the consequences of wrongdoing. Here's the third one, how to forgive someone. Let go of resentment and negativity toward the one who hurt you. Let go of resentment and negativity toward the one who hurt you. This is the root of bitterness we just talked about. And you can ask God to give you a generous heart. God loves to give a generous heart. When we ask him, that's the kind of thing God loves to give us. Colossians 3.13 says, Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Make allowances, it says, for each other's faults. If you sew, you know that when you cut out a garment out of cloth, you have to leave seam allowances. You leave a little extra cloth on the sides because you know you're going to make a seam there. And if you forget to leave the seam allowance and you just cut the cloth to exactly the size you want it to be, when you sew it all together, it'll be too small. 
I know from experience because every time I sew something, I have to rip out a whole bunch of seams. Seam allowances give a little bit of room for what's coming next. And he says, we need to give fault allowances to each other because life is too short to expect everyone to be perfect. We know we will all need some grace. And it takes some humility and it takes some generosity to make allowances for each other's faults, but both of those are things God can give us if we ask. So here's the next thing. Be patient and persistent in offering forgiveness. Be patient and for persistent. Corey Ten Boom, who wrote that wonderful book, The Hiding Place, about her involvement in World War II, told of not being able to forgive a wrong that had been done to her. She felt like she'd forgiven the person, but she just kept rehashing it over and over again, and she couldn't sleep. Finally, Corey cried out to God and said, you got to give me some help here. And she says her help came from a Lutheran pastor who lived nearby. She went and confessed to him after two sleepless weeks, and he said to her, Corey, do you see the bell up in that bell tower there? It's a bell which is rung by pulling a rope. But you know what? After the bell ringer lets go of the rope, the bell keeps swinging. First ding, then dong. And then a little slower and slower until there's a final dong and it stops. He said, I believe the same thing is true of forgiveness. When we forgive, we take our hands off the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we mustn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming for a while. They're just the ding-dongs of an old bell slowing down. And she said it proved to be true in her life. There were a few more midnight reverberations, a couple of dings when the subject came up in conversation, but the force, which was her hands on the rope, had gone out of them. They came less and less until they stopped altogether. Here's another thing forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not usually quick. That's why Jesus says forgive 70 times 7. 70 times 7, over and over. Maybe that's for the same offense. Be patient and persistent, and don't expect it to be instant. And finally this, ask God to empower you to empower you, not just a little bit of help, but empower. Often we carry these big burdens, and we say to God, here I am, I'm carrying it. Could you kind of stick a finger on this side and help me out a little? But God says, no, I can empower you far beyond just giving a little help. I had someone once that I knew I needed to forgive, someone who had just really hurt my feelings. And I knew I needed to forgive them. And I kept kind of just holding it out there and saying, yeah, I know, I, I need to forgive them. I'm going to do it one of these days. But I got to get ready. I got to, like, get ready and do all this heavy spiritual lifting and get prayed up and just forgive them. And I kept putting it off because it seemed like a lot of work, but I knew I needed to do it. 
And finally, one day, God said to me, why don't you just set it down? Why don't you just do it? Just forgive, forgive them. I can, I can make you do that. I can give you the power to do that. And I thought, but wait, don't I have to work on this harder? And God said, just let it go. And I did. I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to forgive them. I forgive them. God empowered me to do that. I was really slow figuring out that he could do that for me. But ask God to empower you. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Even forgive. I can do all things. Philippians 14, 4.13 says, and Forgiveness, friends, is God's specialty. That's God's specialty. He loves to help us forgive. So ask God to empower you. Once upon a time, a faithful churchgoer had a dream. They dreamed of a, a big staircase stretching up to heaven. And as he began to make his way up the staircase, he was given a piece of chalk and told to make a mark, one on each step for each sin he had committed. So he slowly was making his way up this big staircase and marking one step at a time when coming down the staircase, he sees his pastor coming down and he stops and says, well, what are you going back down for? And his pastor says, oh, I'm just going to get more chalk. <laughs> As we focus on repairing a broken relationship and our ability to forgive others, it's so important, but just as important a reality is the fact that we ourselves may be the ones who really need to be forgiven. That we are the sinners in the relationship that needs to be repaired. We all need forgiveness. We hurt each other sometimes. Sometimes it's unintentional. Sometimes we don't even realize it. But sometimes it's on purpose. We hurt each other. We need to not only know how to forgive others, but how to ask for forgiveness. I often counsel couples that are getting ready to get married to get good at learning to apologize because it's a skill you will need many times throughout a marriage. So we need to know not only how to forgive others, but how to seek forgiveness. So if you turn your insert over, we have some steps for seeking forgiveness. The first one is admit what you did was wrong or hurtful. Admit what you did was wrong or hurtful. Psalm 32 says, Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. While I kept silence, my body wasted away through groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So step one is admit what you did was wrong or hurtful. Second one is closely related to that. Apologize. Apologize and ask for forgiveness. Many of us did not grow up with the words, I'm sorry, and a real vocabulary for apologizing. Well, well worked out so we could say that. Uh, many of you have probably read the book, uh, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, 
Well, he and Jennifer Thomas have written an amazing book called The Five Languages of Apology. It's kind of a follow-up to The Five Love Languages. I thought this book was a revelation, just amazingly helpful. The Five Languages of Apology. Psalm 51 is also an amazing, heartfelt apology. If you have no words to know how to say, I was wrong and I'm sorry, Psalm 51 can put words to what's going on inside. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. And the good news is that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So the second thing is apologize and ask for forgiveness. Here's the third thing. Take responsibility for your actions and make it right if you can. Take responsibility for your actions and make it right if you can. There is no apology less satisfying for someone to hear than, I'm sorry, but... Oh, that but cancels out everything in the I'm sorry part, doesn't it? Take responsibility for your actions and make it right if you can. Leave but, the word but, out on but apology. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he cheated people. He lived off of the things he had taken from others. And when he came to follow Jesus and decided to turn his life over to Jesus, he did two things. He said, everyone that I have um, stolen from, I'm going to repay four times over. Four times over. I'm going to make it right. And he said, I'm going to give half of my wealth to the poor. He took responsibility and tried to make it right. You see, when you allow Jesus to forgive you, he changes you. You want to live differently. He gives you the Holy Spirit inside of you to help you live differently. Forgiveness does not change the past, says Paul Bohr, but it does enlarge the future. And finally, forgive yourself. That's step four. Forgive yourself. Stephen Cole tells this story. A little girl was visiting her grandparents and got her very first slingshot. Everybody Loves a slingshot when they're a kid, don't they? She practiced in the woods, but she couldn't hit any of her targets. And making her way back to the house, she saw Grandma's duck in the barnyard and just on a whim took a shot, knowing it would miss, and it hit. And she killed the duck. She panicked, and she hid the duck in the woodpile. And as she did that, she looked up and saw her brother Johnny there watching her. Johnny had seen it all but didn't say anything. After lunch that day, Grandma said, "Uh, Johnny, let's wash the dishes. But Johnny said, oh, Sally wanted to help with the dishes today. Didn't you, Sally? And he whispered to her, remember the duck. (laughs) So Sally did the dishes. Later, Grandpa asked if the kids wanted to go fishing, and Grandma said, well, I really need someone to help help me stay and make supper. And Johnny said, oh, that's okay. Sally wants to help with supper. Remember the duck. So Johnny went fishing and Sally stayed home. 
After several days of Sally doing both her chores and Johnny's chores, she couldn't stand it anymore. And so she went and confessed to Grandma that she had killed the duck. I know, Sally, said Grandma. I was standing at the window when it happened, and I saw the whole thing. But I love you, and I forgave you. And I was wondering how long you would let Johnny make a slave of you. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is yourself. But Jesus has already paid that price for you. It says in 1 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in, new, is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Hallelujah. We are forgiven. God will trample our sins under his feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. So forgive yourself. So there is no one who carries, cares more about building great relationships than God. And there is no one who knows more about repairing a broken relationship than God. That is the whole story of Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation is God repairing a broken relationship. That's at the heart of who God is. And you know, like father, like daughter, like father, like son, because we are God's children, it can be at our heart as well heart of forgiveness. On March 1st, 2008, Terry Caffey lost everything. His wife and his two children were murdered. His house was burned to the ground. And to make things worse, his daughter, along with two of her friends, was found guilty of carrying this out. Watch and see what God did. Where is another God like you who pardons the sins of his people? You cannot stay angry with your people forever because you delight in showing mercy. Once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. May it be so for us as well. Let us pray. God, we can never thank you for what you've done for us. And neither can we thank you for what you are going to do within us. You know exactly what each of us needs, whether it's to forgive or be forgiven or some tangled combination of both because we are complicated people. But God, that's not too much for you. That's not too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. So we put ourselves in your hands just now. Empower us to be forgivers and to be forgiven. Amen. If you would like to pray or have someone pray with you, please come forward either during the the final song or afterwards, come and pray. And if there's anyone here from our prayer team, uh, I invite you to come and just um, pray with those who would like that and know that God's power is available here and now.